Today on the Huddle Up 2018 Draft Show, Carl and Nick discuss the Sua Cravens edition and how it affects the Broncos going into the draft, talk some pre-draft warts of some well-known quarterbacks, and give their thoughts on some sleepers and players that they feel are overhyped to this point. This is the Huddle Up 2018 Draft Show. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up draft style. I am your host, Carl Dumbler, and with me as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Nick Kendall. Nick, how are you doing out there in Iowa? I am doing pretty good. I feel like I always come on here and complain about the weather, but it's April and it looks like the weather for like the next 10 days is going to be pure garbage. So I am having a little bit of a seasonal depression and also just ready for this draft to get here. The arguments are... I mean, you, you know, we made our points, we made our cases, and there's still stuff to talk about, obviously, and we're, we're here today to do that, but I'm just ready to see what happens, you know, so that with the weather and work being busy right now, it's just ready to get the show on the road. I, I completely understand. It's, we, we've been working on this draft, like I said, last week for, for so long, and there's just so many things you can say over and over again, and either people agree with you or they just flat out want to argue with you, and it's just kind of... You've had all the arguments by now, so now now it is really getting to that nitpicking, and we'll talk about that here in just a little bit of just how sometimes that nitpicking can get a little out of hand to the point that maybe it causes some teams to to miss on a great quarterback all because of a little flaw that somebody saw that really wasn't as big a deal as as what should have been or what, what it should have been. But yeah, so we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But before we do that, I want to let you know that the Huddle Up 2018 Draft Show's focus is all things pertain to your Denver Broncos, especially as it relates to the upcoming NFL Draft. With Nick and myself being Draftaholics, we'll be bringing you fresh insight and analysis each and every week in every single episode from scouting reports, player value, scheme and personnel fits, and of course, some just general draft-related banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH. And be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. And make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content at MileHighHuddle.com, a part of Scout.com and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football, draft, and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So as a call to action, please go and take some time to, to go to iTunes or Spreaker and, and rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy our show. Well, the very first thing we need to talk about is the, the big news. And, and I, I have to laugh every time we do this on our podcast. So maybe we should talk about some other great players. So then the Broncos will go out there and trade for them or something. But last week, I'm pretty sure right as you're editing our show, after we had just talked about Sue Cravens and the possibility of a trade and how it was kind of, well, we'll see what happens with it. The Broncos go ahead and do that. And of course the trade was the Broncos and Redskins. They swap picks in the 2018 draft for the fourth and fifth round. Plus gave the Redskins a fifth round pick. And then also, is this right? Conditional pick in 2020. That's what the Denver Bronco website said, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hold them to it. Okay, okay. So it's it's giving up a little bit more value than a late fifth round pick, is what it kind of boils down to for Sua Cravens, who has made it very very clear that he wanted out of Washington, and whether you agree with how he was going about it or not, or how you think why he was wanting out of there. there. There's a lot of rumors out there of, of both sides of the story. And I'm sure the truth fo- kind of finds its way somewhere in the middle. But in 2016, Sue Cravens was one of the higher rated players in the draft. Some people had first round grades on him. I've heard that the Broncos did have a first round grade on him and ended up going in the second round to the Redskins. And as a rookie, he showed himself pretty well. He, he had kind of a limited role, I will say. But 
for the most part, when he was in, he was an impact kind of player. And we'll get into that here in just a little bit. But I, I just let's start off with reading a little bit of his draft profile, because essentially what we're looking at is kind of a second year player that had limited roles as a rookie. And so this is kind of what we have to go off of a little bit of extra stuff beyond this. But Lance Zerline, one of the great draft guys out there, if you're not following him, I recommend that you do. He does a lot of this for NFL.com, but he'll break down strengths, weaknesses, and all of that. And he said that for Sua Cravens, he was born to be a football player. He's He combines smarts, instincts, and toughness, will not hesitate to jump into the mix, and have proven his ability to make full-time conversion to linebacker. Outstanding with his hands, always first with his punch into blocker's frame and unlocks instant arm extension to keep himself clean. Showed ability to engage blocker, shuffle with square pads, and disengage for the tackle. Scouts believe he will comfortably carry over 230 pounds in pros. Big boy production comes from always choosing play-making option over a passive route. Loves to play on the other side of the line when possible. Sticky hands can take the ball away if you give him a shot. Posted nine interceptions in three years. He's aware in zone coverage but has some blitz value. Will have immediate impact on special teams coverage. Anything there that you would disagree with? I think that he isn't going to bulk up and be a linebacker. He is, I don't think he's going to get up to 230 pounds. He came at the combine at 226, but I don't think, I'm pretty sure he's around 220 and maybe even a little less than that. And that screams strong safety dimebacker to me, which is by all indication, the role that he's going to be filling in for. Can't disagree with that. Yeah. I I think that's more his better fit and I'm okay with that. I, I, that's where I'd like him to play. I think we have two inside linebackers that are just fine to be where they are. So we don't really need that kind of player, but a guy that can be that dime backer, that strong safety extra guy on the field. I think that's a perfect fit for him. You don't want to pigeonhole him to being either a strong safety or a linebacker, anything like that. He's a versatile piece, which the Broncos have been missing since TJ Ward prior to his drop off two seasons ago. And you could see that they sorely missed that type of player. And I'm if everything works well for Cravens, he's going to be a good player in those sub packages and maybe even the base package. But I don't know if he has the back end coverage ability that you look for in that role. But still, with how much the Broncos play sub package and the way the NFL is going right now, you need those type of guys, those dimebackers, that new breed, which we've talked about a lot of times on this podcast. And I think he's perfect for that role as that third safety or third linebacker when, with that multiple front defense that is becoming so popular in the NFL. Right. Well, and, and I also look at it as last year, the Broncos tried to have Will Parks play that role a little bit, and it, it didn't go well. He ended up giving up four touchdowns, which led the entire team last year. And Darian Stewart wasn't too far behind. I think he gave up three touchdowns. And so this is kind of that, that role that he kind of slides into, especially that Will Parks role, and takes those snaps away from him. And just gives them another playmaker on the field. And he is, he's is he got great hands. That's one thing I really love watching. He can have that big turnover. And when you're losing a guy like Tlaib on our defense, you need another guy that can come in and, and have some big-time playmaking turnover plays. He's a guy I love watching him run downhill. I, I watched him on one play for Washington as a rookie. The defensive lineman was trying to track down a, a running back that was running to the sideline. And Sue Cravens just came running right by him and almost shoved him out of the way because he wasn't going to make the play. And the, the defensive lineman wasn't going to make the play. And Sue Cravens just dives right at the legs of the running back, ends up like a five-yard loss. And it was just a, a great play. And something, again, just that aggressive attitude fits very well with what the Broncos like to do on defense. And he just gives them a very versatile player. So I guess the, the big question, one – I guess there's a few big questions that I want to talk about with him. First off, what do you think about this whole mess that he had with Washington? Do you put more blame on Washington or do you put more blame on Cravens? Probably both parties are at blame. I mean, Washington's probably as poorly run of an NFL organization as there is in the entire league. I mean, their owner, coaches, general manager, it always seems like it's a dysfunctional situation. So I I don't really blame Cravens for that because, I mean, Washington is – Dysfunct. There's no other way to put it. But at the same time, I mean, there's a reason that he was available for not super expensive and doesn't seem like the even the players in the Broncos locker room are super stoked about it because he did seem like he was going to walk away from football. And 
you have to be able to put a lot. I mean, there's a reason that this Rosen stuff, we're going to talk about it here soon enough, but that it keeps getting brought up. I mean, you have to love this game because it is a grind and it'll wear you down. And after one season, I mean, there are some issues there. So, I mean, it's, it's a concern, but it's why he was available. So there's obviously some risk there, but what is it? The value of a lower fourth round pick or a fifth round pick to bring in a guy that was in a role that you really needed, still extremely young upside and a position that your team values. I mean, that's, that's well worth the risk in my opinion, especially if the, the talk is true. Yeah. And cheap. And especially if the talk is true that since he didn't play last season, it, it doesn't count as in a occurred season. So he still has three years left of his rookie deal. That's my understanding right now. But that, that would be huge as well, having him for three years. I mean, pairing him with Simmons, that's that's amazing. He still would like another deep coverage safety back there that will probably fill in for Stewart. But, I mean, that's you're adding weapons to the back and you're help trying to solve an issue that's been an issue with this defense, even during the Super Bowl years. Getting a guy that can cover some tight ends and running backs and just take away a glaring weakness on the defense. So, I mean, I think it's a good move, but there's there's obviously some risk involved. So my, my next question then is who do you think this affects more, the the safeties or the inside linebackers and in their play on the field? Well, I think it's had a direct impact specifically at Jamal Carter and Will Parks because they might be out of a job now. But I think it'll have the best impact, the best impact, on the linebackers because you don't have to force Todd Davis into coverage. Now, obviously good teams, there's going to be situations where they're going to isolate Todd Davis and pick on him because, you know, he's not a true three-down linebacker. But now you're not forced into a situation where you don't have a guy you can turn to in sub-packages and whatnot that you didn't have last year. At least you, you tried to have it with Will Parks, but he struggled tremendously. So now you got Cravens, just adds another versatile piece. So hopefully I think it'll help the linebackers in coverage overall. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, it, it's it's one of those pieces where, like I said, you can move him around. He, he just has such versatility, and that that is the name of the game in the NFL. It's why teams want offensive linemen that can kind of play any position because you only have so many limited roster spots. And, again, if you have a guy that can come in, cover running backs, cover tight ends, that is huge in today's NFL. It, it's just getting to – be such a bigger need because if you got a great tight end and the AFC West has some good tight ends in there, Uh, Jared cook had his moments. Obviously you have Travis Kelsey with the chiefs and uh, there's just some good tight ends around there. The NFL these days, and it's just making it that much tougher, but for Sue Cravens, this is what I loved as a rookie. He allowed the, I guess, best or worst. I, I don't know how you'd rate that worst quarterback rating of any rookie linebacker at only giving up a 73.1 quarterback rating when he was targeted. For the entire NFL, he finished fourth among linebackers. Todd Davis was one of the worst coverage linebackers in the NFL this last season and the year before that. So if you are substituting Sue Cravens for Davis on those passing situations, that is a huge upgrade. Again, if this, it, this all boils down to does he come onto the field? Does he commit himself to playing football? There's, like you said, there is a lot of risk, but at the same time, it, we didn't give up a whole lot for the risk. It's huge upside, but we'll just have to see how that all plays out. And the other thing I love is it's not only that he's great in coverage, but he's also led the Redskins in run stop percentage as a rookie. So this is a guy that can come downfield, make a play. He can get after the quarterback. He can drop back in coverage. He's just that all around kind of player that you really need. And so far, I guess this is what I'll say about since the trade happened, I've been impressed with how he's handled himself. He seems to be very, very genuinely excited to be with the Broncos. I know you've seen the the whole new world video, right? Yes. Okay. If you haven't seen his, go, go on his Twitter account. I think his Twitter handle is I am Susie, something like that. Uh, just go, go look him up. And there's a video of him after he found out about the trade where the song A Whole New World from Aladdin is playing in the background, and he's just as as giddy as can be. And so that might be a little immaturity kind of move, but just his excitement. And he's been excited ever since then. Uh, He's been tweeting about being with the Broncos and just getting this new opportunity, this new start, and just being very, very excited about its opportunity. And then I saw pictures of him since he got to Denver. One of his first things he did was go watch film with Steve Atwater. And that is one of the best things I love to see that these young guys do. 
because I, I do think there are a lot of young players out there that don't respect the veterans that kind of view it as I know better than you veterans. I, I have, I, I coach soccer. Do you know how many times I have kids that I'll say, Hey, you need to pass this way. Try to kick it with the side of your foot a little bit more. You'll have a lot better control. And next thing I know, they're trying to do the opposite and it just, it ends disastrously, but yet they think they knew better. And so again, if a guy can actually have that respect, Hey, I got Steve Atwater, a guy that should be in the hall of fame at the safety position right at my fingertips. That's wanting and willing to, to work with me. Go use that resource. That's, that's what I love to see. So again, he is started off right, but that doesn't, automatically mean he's going to be successful. I, I I have cautious optimism that this is going to work well for the Broncos. And when you give up the equivalent to a late fourth round pick, that's pretty much all you can have. So I'm excited that he got to talk to Steve Atwater as well, because that's somebody I spoke with at the combine a couple times about how important that dimebacker position is. So right on cue, of course, Steve Atwater meets with him and hopefully he's giving him some advice. He's like, Oh, that Nick Kendall guy, he's telling me that dimebacker position better watch out. So I'm sure Steve Atwater brought me up and, you know, because I'm definitely an expert at the safety position compared to him. Right, right, obviously. exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's again that young guy just knowing better than the old guy. Uh, yeah, I gotta say, <laughs> I know everybody says it, but man, Steve Atwater, A plus person. Just uh, try not to be going there wide eyed and you know seeing a guy like that, but just talk, sitting with him and literally talking football. Nothing better. At, but, at the Senior Bowl, he was probably one of the most talkative guys. Like he was just going around talking to everybody. It wasn't that he just went to the to the big name guys. He'd sit down with guys from Mile High Huddle, Mile High Report, predominantly Orange, all of us guys that were there. He'd sit down and talk with us all the time. So, yeah, really high-class guy. Love him. I, I love him more now that I've actually met him than I did even when he was playing football for the Broncos and winning Super Bowls. And that's saying a lot. Yeah, absolutely. But moving on here, we wanted to get to something that has been – it's kind of an annoyance for us on the podcast is that we've seen this narrative prop up that this year's quarterback class has too many warts and issues that that means that they should avoid going the quarterback position altogether. And by that standard, I came to the conclusion, which looking back at some of these quarterbacks, you're not taking the likes of last year's crop Mahomes, Trubisky and Watson, who juries out on a few of them, but have the makings of solid franchise quarterbacks. You're skipping out on Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. You're skipping out on Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston. Now, the, the, true, those guys are not lighting the league on fire yet, but it's normally that second contract where the quarterback starts to take over. At least it kind of seems that way. You know, you have guys in their 28 to 33 range where they're dominating the league because it is a passing league, and that's kind of the peak mental aspect of the game where like, you have a perfect relationship of being an intelligent quarterback being a master of your system, as well as still having the physical tools. But still, as a Denver Bronco fan and an analyst and somebody who's obsessed with roster building, I would take any of those guys in a heartbeat and two or three times on Sunday. So to kick it off here, we're going with a section that we're calling Winning Warts, or Who's That Quarterback? And I'd like to thank Chad. He's having a couple of his kids record Who's That Quarterback and the name of the quarterback like Pokemon style back in the day. Yeah, I don't know if you ever watched Pokemon, but that's, oh, yeah. that was, yeah, that was the, uh, who's that Pokemon? So we're, I'm going to definitely <laughs> put those in there when this happens and it's going to be great. So we're definitely nerds here. Draft nerds, all around nerds. But these literally, I pulled a lot of these quotes and issues from online or things that happened during these players' NFL careers that if they happen in college would be perceived as negatives or warts. So we're going to start it off, and I have, I think it's eight quarterbacks here, Carl. Eight quarterbacks. Boy. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Who's that quarterback? Quarterback A, I'm going to read it off to you, and you are going to tell me who you think it is. This quarterback grew up in affluence and may not need football. He played in a conference that isn't producing many NFL quarterbacks. He doesn't have ad lib ability has been shown to yell at teammates on the sideline. A poor athlete for the position. Struggles when forced out of the pocket. A solid but not exceptional arm. Will challenge coaches on the whiteboard and in the quarterback room. This is a direct quote. He may be too serious. Not the best natural athlete at the quarterback position in this class. Another quote. Might already be near his ceiling. Not much more room to improve with his natural ability. Here's another quote. 
Ball waffles all the time. I don't like his velocity. And finally, the last quote. May be a solid and productive NFL QB, but may not have a Hall of Fame type skill set. <laughs> the the ball waffles all the time pretty much gives it away. But the rest of it, I mean, it just it makes sense. Peyton Manning. It's Peyton Manning. Ding, ding, ding. Yep, you you are correct. Peyton Manning. And based on I mean, look at all those negatives. What an issue. He's not going to have 99s across the board in Manning, but guess, or in Madden, but guess what? You don't need that to play quarterback. What does Peyton do great? He understands, he can read defenses. He puts the ball in time to players that can make plays afterwards, and he's accurate. Big things. Yeah, and his arm is solid enough. He's a solid enough athlete. He's a solid enough sides. So good job, Carl. That's QBA. It's oh, a little bit hard. It gets a little bit harder from here, though. Okay. Some of these, some of these are easy, but that's, that's definitely the easiest one. All right, here's QBB. Plays in a spread offense, no real history of success of transition, mediocre arm talent, does not drive the ball extremely well. He sidearms and has a bigger windup on passes that need extra strength or distance, so down the field or outside the hash marks. He lacks accuracy and touch down the field. He's more comfortable in the short and intermediate passing game, which will limit NFL scheme fits. He lacks ideal height for an NFL quarterback. He can't escape the pocket when need be, but will take his time avoiding them. Something a smaller QB shouldn't do, so takes hits that he shouldn't take. And he threw poorly at the combine. Who's this quarterback? So this quarterback, actually, he was on the Dan Patrick show and read his negative quarterback reviews. Oh, yeah. So I I feel like I have a little bit of a, a cheat sheet on this one, but this is Drew Brees. Yep, good job, Drew Brees, Drew Brees. And would have gotten it from the lack of ideal height anyway, but yeah, but yeah, he, he was pretty funny when he was reading it because they were talking about the downfield passing, and he goes, I play in a spread system that's based on short and intermediate passes. That's what I do all the time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that that's amazing. I'm, I'm sorry, but this this one reads very similarly to Baker Mayfield. And that's That's what I kept thinking as he was – as he was reading his, his negative reviews, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's every negative review of, of Baker Mayfield, except for he did throw decently at the Combine. Yeah. Not great, but he was a little pretty good. None of the guys were outstanding, I would say. I, well, I guess Josh Allen, depending on who you talk to. But, but yeah, no, this is a lot of things that you see with him. And I don't it's know. Like, it's the character concerns. Right. All right. Well, Drew Brees uh, – Obviously, we have two Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame quarterbacks there. And guess what? They had negatives. All right, quarterback C, here we go. Who's that quarterback? Did not play in a Power Five conference. Third quarterback selected in his class. Doesn't always take care of the football. Maturity questions? Sometimes inaccurate placement on underneath throws. Arm talent, but ball placement down the field and outside the hash marks is sporadic, and majority of snaps outside or out of the shotgun. This one's a little bit harder, but there's definitely some flaws here. Who do you think this quarterback is? I'm going to say Big Ben. It's Big Ben. Three for three. Three for three. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that one I was a little nervous about. I wasn't sure. Yes, indeed. Big Ben. His last season at... Miami, Ohio, the Red Hawks. I believe they went twelve and one. Maybe it was eleven and one. Do you know who they lost to? I'm gonna guess Iowa. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that was like two thousand three or two I think it was two thousand three. That two thousand four class, man, that was great. Eli yeah. Manning, Phillip Rivers, and Big Ben. Whew. Talent. Alrighty. Well, three for three. We're uh, we're moving right along here. QBD. Who's that quarterback? System that has not led to great NFL quarterbacks, almost exclusively shotgun, skinny, will need time to fill out his frame, a marginal athlete, has a solid but not great arm, rhythm passer who can get into inaccurate stretches, especially early in the games, struggles in differing getting the ball out compared to rushing throws. So there's an issue, there's a difference between getting the ball out quickly and on time to being rushing your mechanics and being sloppy. 
Pocket presence is poor, sacked over 80 times in three years with 24 fumbles. And when there is pass rush, it affects his mechanics, and he hasn't really shown off-platform throws. Smaller than ideal hands, can miss the short timing throws, and more likely to throw a ball away than reset and find his receiver. Carl, who is this quarterback? Oh, man, I, I actually don't know this one. I, I'm going to go... I'll give you a hint. It's a recent. It's a pretty recent quarterback that was drafted. Okay, Jared Goff. It's Jared Goff. Four for four. Ooh, okay. Your your hint helped. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right, four for four. All right, halfway there, man. You're going to get an A on this. (laughs) QBE. Not an elite arm, doesn't drive the ball down the field. Poor athlete, as shown by his combine. Doesn't have ad-lib ability. Quote, will sometimes have trouble making the throws you need to get power behind. Another quote, system quarterback who has a shot to make it in the league. Too skinny. And here's a quote from him about him being too skinny. Emaciated with no muscle definition. That's an actual quote. Run heavy downfield play action offense that didn't fit. Some inaccuracy outside the hash marks. Goes down easily and struggles to escape rush. And lost reps his senior year to a sophomore quarterback, and coach was non-committal to starting him. This quarterback is Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady. Tom Brady, man, I, I'm you're you're killing it. I'm I'm pretty impressed here. <laughs> that Brady last the, the last part was what got it for me. Lost yeah. reps his senior year. Yeah, that's Drew Tom. Henson. Drew Henson is the quarterback who beat him out, and Drew Henson was a guy that. Tony Romo beat to take the starting quarterback for the the Cowboys. It was kind of Drew Henson potentially who went off to play baseball for a few years or Tony Romo taking it from Drew Bledsoe and Romo's the one who won it. So kind of cool little bit of information there. All right. We got another one here. QBF. Who's that quarterback? He played in a quarterback friendly passing system and this head coach and system had created multiple early round draft busts at the position, a solid athlete, but not as athletic as recent top QBs or the other top QB in the class. Can't create on his own. This is a quote. This is a quote. Can't create on his own, panics under pressure, gets flustered easily, not a first-round QB. Here's another quote. Doesn't have great ability to change the release of the football. He's mechanically very rigid. Not ideal size for quarterback. Odd mechanics that may, be, may hinder down-the-field throwing ability and somewhat of an aloof attitude. Oh man, the odd mechanics makes me think Philip Rivers. Ah, you got one wrong. Oh man, who is it? It's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Oh man. Yep, Aaron Rodgers. Remember he held that ball really high. Coming yeah, out. yeah, it was up by his ear. Yep. the the tud the tud offensive as they called it. His offensive coach at Cal created. Such quarter, early quarterback busts is like, I think it was uh, Trent Dilfer, and there was another one as well. But there's, there's a lot of talk that, uh-oh, he's just coming from this offense that creates quarterbacks that have good stats but won't make it in the NFL. And that, that's Aaron Rodgers. All right. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Now, I'm still impressed with you. You got one wrong. That's okay. I didn't expect you to get this many right. So here's the last <laughs> one right here. Quarterback H. Who's that quarterback? Limited tape, injured most of his last season, ball can float when throwing on the move, needs to work on his anticipatory throws, sometimes struggles coming off his first read, which can lead to some forced throws, and also can be slow to get to his second and third read, and his throwing mechanics need tremendous work as his arm gets ahead of his feet. I'm going to go with your favorite quarterback from the 2016 class, Carson Wentz. You are correct. Good Ooh. job. So seven for eight. I'll, I'll give you an A for that. That's that's uh, pretty hard. I thought maybe you'd get the Aaron Rodgers ones because the the, uh, the aloof attitude. Yeah, so. I know, man. Oh man, I skipped one. We still got one more. So you're so you're six for seven. We still have one more. Okay. Okay. Here's the last one. Who's that quarterback? 
quarterback G. So we have poor height, which will be a detriment to him in the league. Can he throw effective from the pocket? He escapes quickly, does not possess great pocket awareness or management, and tends to take sacks. Struggles to step up on the pocket as the O-line tends to obscure its vision and crowd passing lanes. Can fall off and back away from the pocket or move laterally. Projects as a backup. This is a quote. Projects as a backup, but could factor readily as an athletic, move the pocket, specialty package weapon. Kind of the, uh, remember what Miami ran when they had mm-hmm. the, yeah, they drafted a quarterback in the second round, Pat White, who didn't do anything. <laughs> luckily no, luckily no Pat, or Miami fans listen to this because that has to just be one of the worst picks in their franchise in the past 10 years. And deep passes tend to sail, which will be interceptions in the NFL. This final quarterback is Russell Wilson. There you go. Seven for eight. Russell Wilson. And yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, this is just a, just wanted to do a fun little exercise here going back and reading some of the negatives of the recent top quarterbacks who by all definition and all accounts have been tremendously successful and are, or were franchise quarterbacks. You know what? They, unless these guys are John Elway or Andrew Luck level prospects, which there have only been two of those guys in the last 40 years in the draft, you're going to have some flaws at the quarterback position because there's just so much that goes into it. But that doesn't mean that these guys aren't worth taking. I mean, think about the guys you would have missed out on if you only focused on the negatives. You know, maybe Baker Mayfield isn't the best in a vertical offense. Maybe Josh Rosen needs the right fit in the quarterback room. Maybe Sam Darnold needs, you know, a little bit of time to work on his footwork and you just have to accept that wonky release, even though it is quick, but it's, it is elongated. You know, that, that's, that's okay. That is okay because there are no such thing unless you're Andrew Luck or John Elway as a perfect quarterback prospect. So hopefully that kind of drove the point home. Did you get any big takeaways for you from that? Carl is on the other end. It's for me, a lot of these guys you see, they talk about like not having the strongest arm or they're too skinny ball floats on them, ball doesn't come out quite right. You just see a lot of those kind of things. And I always loved that, I guess how Peyton Manning put it, where somebody had talked about how his ball looked like a duck. And he said, hey, that duck still gets there for a touchdown. So what what does it matter if it's a perfect spiral or if it's a duck? As long as it's a touchdown, it's a touchdown. And I guess that's just – you see with all these guys, a lot of them, the big thing is there's, there's two big things that I see with these guys. One, they love football and two, they all have great minds for football. I think that's something that is just so important in today's NFL. I think the big arm strong guy worked really well in the eighties and nineties, early nineties, not, not later nineties, but the game has just changed so much. It's gone from that deep, play action style offense where you're, you're running football for the first and second down, throwing it on third down, trying to do some play action. You're, you're needing a little bit more athletic quarterback to kind of make some things happen to today's league where it really is your, your most of your passes are going to be those short intermediate passes. They're going to be timing routes. You have to be able to read a defense, make a quick decision. You've got three seconds or less to make that decision of where you're going with that football. And you have to outthink that defensive coordinator. You have to outthink that defense. And, and so those are the guys you're looking for. And I just, I think that's something people get too tied up into the tools. I, I just, I, I, I made that mistake with, with Paxton Lynch. I thought they could mold him into a great quarterback, but from what we've heard, he's just not the hardest worker and he struggles with learning a playbook. And when you can't do that, you're not going to make it in the NFL. Your athleticism is just not going to, to cover up like you could in college. You could out-athlete people in college. You can't do that in the NFL. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, look at these quarterbacks. They all they agree with you. The love of football is, is a big one. That's something that you can't get from the tape. So I guess you got to trust the, the scouts because they're as much private investigators as they are talent evaluators because they go and talk to family, coaches, former teammates, high school friends, high school teachers. I mean, everything. you got to know these kids inside and out when you're making that big of an investment in them. Wasn't it I, somebody hired a private investigator to follow around Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I guess one of his friends pointed out somebody kept following him everywhere he was going, and he didn't know which team it was, but somebody had hired a private investigator. Yeah, 
So, I mean, I, I get it. But it's these guys have negatives, and that's okay. I mean, I could come up with negatives about Saquon Barkley and Quentin Nelson and Bradley Chubb and Roquan Smith. That doesn't mean I don't think they're not great players. So, I don't know. It's just it's something that's really bothering me with the this discussion on the quarterback play from some in Bronco country. And I, every single player has sports besides that I can recall, Andrew Luck and John Elway as quarterback prospects. Right. And, and it's been, uh, it's been heightened a lot this week because of the Jim Moore comments on Rosen. Yeah. And I, here's what I find so funny about that whole situation before we get to that quote is after he had said this, somebody asked him, have coaches been calling you or teams been calling you to ask about Rosen? And he said, not a single team has called him. So to me, I'm kind of going, do these teams not really respect his opinion? <laughs> I, I don't know. It just, it makes me kind of go, that would be like the one person you would think they absolutely should talk to. And yet he's the guy that nobody wants to, to talk to about him. And, and I'm sure he'll get some phone calls as we get closer to the draft, but I don't know. It just seemed kind of weird that way. So anyway, this last week, if you hadn't heard, Jim Mora, he, he said a few things that are very controversial. One, he said that he would pick Sam Darnold over Josh Rosen if he was the Cleveland Browns, which seems so weird. And then he said this this week. He said he needs to be challenged intellectually so he doesn't get bored. He's a millennial. He wants to know why millennials. Once they know why they're good. Josh has a lot of interest in life. If you can hold his concentration level and focus only on football for a few years, he will set the world on fire. He is such so much ability and he's a really good kid. I don't know about you. I don't read that as a negative. Yeah. I mean, he might like avocado toast and brunch a little bit too much and be about that bottomless mimosa life. But I mean, I'm not too worried about it. You talk about, I, this was a quote earlier. You're talking about like, you need a quarterback coach and offensive coordinator that can challenge him and demand his attention on the whiteboard. What do you think Peyton Manning or Tom Brady would do if they had a dud offensive coordinator that wasn't challenging them and answering their questions? What would happen? They would chew them up and spit them out. <laughs> like seriously, they, they are not right. there to make sure that your coach is okay. You know, they're not the, they, if, as long as you're challenging them and you're putting them in a good success, uh, position to succeed, there's not going to be any issues. But if that competitor, that player sees you as something that's in the way from them achieving greatness, they're going to chew you up. So I just, is it a big deal that Rosen is not the consummate yes sir, no sir type? At least that's what it's coming off as and will challenge coaches in the weight room. I mean, or in the weight room. That'd be cool too. <laughs> challenge coaches in the film room. I mean, it, it, I think that speaks more about the insecurities of the coach than it does the player. Now, the talk about keeping Rosen's attention in football, not only when he's in the building, but outside the building. Now, that that's a valid question, and that's something that I, I can't answer. Everything's hearsay. I don't know Rosen personally. I don't know his family. I don't know his friends. So I spoke with his teammates. They spoke highly of him, and other people around the league and people that I've spoken with have spoken highly of him as well, but... That's something I can't answer. And then you have the durability issues as well. So, yes, yes, there are concerns with Rosen and there are concerns with Darnold and there are concerns with Mayfield and Allen and Jackson and go down the list the past few years except Andrew Luck. That's, that, that's fine. But if you hit on that quarterback, it has such huge long-term positive ramifications for the team, the organization, how you build the roster, everything. Right. That well, is just look, at the, look at the Rams right now. Yeah. Look at all the trades they've been able to make, the contracts they've been able to take on. I mean, signing Sue, Tlaib, Peterson. They just traded for Cooks. Is that right? And they just traded for Cooks. Yep, we were recording this, and that just happened. And then, of course, Ben Albright reports that the Patriots have high interest in Josh Frozen. Gosh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> I literally – I'm done. I would be done with the podcast. I'm like, okay, well <laughs> – um, football is literally just kicking me in the groin. So yeah. it's, it's over. Oh man. But I mean, again, that's because you have a quarterback on a rookie contract that you can go out and make some aggressive moves. You can go and do some things that other teams could only dream about right now. The, the Eagles, 
their cap situation has was terrible, but because they happened to hit on Wentz, they've been able to still add some talent to the team. They've been able to get their cap a little bit more back under control. And, and they've been able to, I don't know if they've become a stronger team than they were last year, but they, they haven't become worse, I would say. And, and that's again, because they have that rookie quarterback that, that just makes things a lot easier. The Titans, they've been able to add a lot of players around Mariota. Yeah, he hasn't he didn't play great this last year, but again, they've had a lot of cap space to to go crazy. So again, if you can hit on that rookie quarterback, that opens up about a, a four or five year Super Bowl window. Because you can add so much talent to your team. You can take risks that just I don't know, can can really pay off big time. And you you can you can just go for it. And that's why I think you're I'm writing an article right now on why there's been so many trades in the NFL. And I think a big part of it has to do with because there are so many good young quarterbacks in the league right now that teams are going for it. They know this is their window. They they've seen that beyond Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, there are not many other quarterbacks on big quarterback contracts going out and winning Super Bowls. So they know if they are going to win a Super Bowl, this is the time. And and this is why again the the value of hitting or just going after a quarterback at, at pick five or anywhere in the top five over that of a great guard or a great running back, the, the dividends are, are astronomical on the side of, of a quarterback. Even an above average quarterback will pay off more than that of a Hall of Fame guard or running back, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And then at the same time, you know, people are talking about well, a quarterback is going to bust or the way higher bust potential, there's bust potential for every single position. And having a bust at guard or running back, I would say is a sets you back farther than the quarterback because of the contract you have to pay them. At least for that quarterback, you're paying them a cheap salary compared to the other quarterbacks on the market. But not the case when you take in a guy like a guard or a running back. I mean, those guys are going to, because of the slotted contracts, which the draft has now, those guys are going to get paid huge deals. So if you're paying a busted guard or a busted running back, I mean, that's, that's a killer. And then on the other side of the coin, the payoff for hitting that pick on a guard or running back, yes, would be good. The payoff for hitting that pick on a quarterback. I mean, that can change your team for a decade. Show of reference. Ezekiel Elliott on his rookie contract is the seventh highest paid running back in the NFL right now. And highest and Fournette was taken fourth overall. He's even higher paid in the highest paid guaranteed contract of any running back in the NFL. Right. He has the, the fifth overall average per year contract for a running back. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get it and you don't want to force the quarterback pick if it's not a guy you believe in, but follow, follow the flow chart. Do you have a franchise quarterback? Yes or no. If yes, take the best player available at a position of need or value. Kind of like when the Broncos took Roby, when they took Shane Ray. Those were valuable and slash needs. You know, you want to have depth at those positions. However, if you don't have a quarterback, is a franchise quarterback, is there one available? If not, see the answer to number one. Draft the best player available at position of value or need. But if there is one available, you better run up to the podium and get that quarterback. You know, it has to be a guy you believe in. You don't just take a quarterback for the sake of taking a quarterback. That's how you get EJ Manuel or Christian Ponder. But if there's a guy there that you believe in, go get him. It's, it seems so simple to me. I don't know. I just, again, maybe this is one reason I'm getting a little bit, uh, not draft fatigue, but it's just like, I, I don't, I, you're not, I'm never going to make you agree with me. I've laid out every single logical point I can make, and I hear you. And if you don't like any of the quarterbacks, that's just a difference in evaluation. But the methodology, the philosophy behind it, is the thing that I'm trying to get here. And I just, I, I think it's pretty cut and dry personally. That's like team building one one If you don't have a franchise quarterback and you have a chance to get one, you go get one. I can't disagree one bit with that, man. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Top five quarterbacks as it sits today. So uh, as you know, I've kind of fluctuated on this a little bit, depending on some information that comes in. I'm going to have to agree with you on top quarterback, Josh Rosen. Then I'm going to go Baker Mayfield and then Sam Darnold. 
Fourth, I'm going to have to go with Lamar Jackson. And fifth, I guess I'll go Josh Allen just because of upside. What would be your list then? I would have Rosen one, and then I'm definitely going to cheat. My 2A and 2B, a tie, would be Darnold and Mayfield. And then my 4A and 4B would be, uh, not Rosen, wow, Um, Allen and Jackson. With Kyle Luetta getting an honorable mention, I'd have him over Mason Rudolph. Do you like Loletta more than Mason Rudolph, or do you have Mason Rudolph more, higher? I would say I like Loletta a little bit better than Rudolph. Yeah. I just feel like he has, in the right system, the potential to be a, a decent starter in the NFL. Yeah. Rudolph, I just see as that guy that's a quality backup for a team. I just, I can't, I can't see a starter. Yeah. And it's very hard because I know some people that I respect and in the football world have him very high and love him and even have him as their top quarterback in the draft. And I just sit there and say, I just want to watch tape with you because I want to see what you're seeing because I, I can't see it. I, I don't know what you're seeing in this guy. Well, that is a good transition. Before we get there, we need to talk to you about our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Well, perfect transition here. You're talking about a guy that you don't see it with. We are moving on to our top three overrated and underrated players. My number one most overrated player, Mason Rudolph. I don't see him doing the... First off, I think his arm talent does not meet the, the body frame. He looks like a guy who should have a much better arm than he has, and I think that outside of all those guys we listed, besides Kyle Letta, he has the worst arm of them all. Baker Mayfield, he has like 5 inches and 20 pounds on him. Baker Mayfield, I think, has a better arm than he does. The ball went down the field. It tends to wobble, and he's just super – it's just inconsistent in terms of his short passes, which I admit I'm leaning more and more to quarterbacks that can execute those short to intermediate passes more, and I just do not see that from him. I think he's a marginal athlete. He's heavy-footed in the pocket, and a lot of times if there's guys at his feet, if there's clutter around him, I see him get a little sloppy with his placement, his, his ball accuracy, and I don't know. Like If you're taking him like before – the top 50 picks, I think it's a little bit of a reach. And I think he's going to end up being a guy who goes in the top 40, maybe even the back in the first round, just because that quarterback need is so high. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of teams really like him there at the back end of the first round. And I, I don't know, like you said, that's more of a, is that more of just because there's such a need for quarterbacks that people are willing to overdraft them and go a little bit crazy? Because, I mean, we see that every year where quarterbacks get overdrafted most of the time. But... Again, I I really my my comparison to him is a lot of Brock Osweiler. Mm. Smart guy. Like you said, doesn't the arm doesn't quite match the the body. I really thought Brock Osweiler when we signed him, he'd have a, a little bit stronger arm. But there were times where his ball was just nosediving into the ground. And Mason Rudolph, like you said, his ball just he doesn't have that consistent What's the word I'm looking for here? It's not velocity. It's more of the 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 depth of how high it's going. Like on those deep passes, there's sometimes where it's trajectory. Trajectory. There you go. It's just all over the place. One time it just skyrockets. The next one's almost like a bullet, and it just I, I feel like his receivers bailed him out so many times, where they were just making these great fifty fifty catches, and his stats looked so much better than they really should have been. Throw in, I thought he had a very good offensive line that kept him clean most of the year. There was one player, I remember him watching his his number one target. He locked onto him, and I counted, I think it was four and a half seconds that he stayed on his number one target, who was double teamed the entire play. And he finally like came off his first target, but he panicked because you've been watching that guy for four and a half seconds. Well, there was still nobody near him, but he just kind of ran into a defender. So th- those kind of plays, it just makes me go, that's not going to work in the NFL. That, that's, you, you need those guys that can get through their, their reads very quickly. And, and here we are. We're, we're just getting done talking about you know the, the bad of quarterbacks. And, and if he becomes something, you and I, I know we'll be some of the first to say, hey, we were completely wrong on this guy. 
and we we should have seen something different. But I just, yeah, there, there's a lot in his game that just makes me go, I just don't see an NFL quarterback. I see Mike Glennon. That's who I see. I think Brock was a little bit better of an athlete. Mike Glennon's the type that just has that ball waffle, and he's a big guy, but just kind of, I don't know, chucks it around with not a lot of accuracy or tools. So we'll see. My second guy that I think is overrated due to his amazing combine performance and also his just, I mean, the lack of talent in this class. I have Mike Kosecki from Penn State. I am kind of a, a snob, I guess, when it comes to my tight ends. And I like guys that complement each other well. And I think Gusecki can be a good flex tight end. But tight end is a position where you need to have a kind of a crazy person's mentality. Because you're going over the... Not only do you have to be an offensive lineman and block 280-pound defensive ends and even sometimes crack back on some defensive tackles and everything like that. But you have to be a wide receiver as well. And that includes going over the middle and being aggressive over the middle, being very, very physical. And while Gusecki has the ability to jump, he's a great athlete. He just plays so soft. That's the big thing that I see when watching him. He is just, he, he's, I'm not cheering against him, but he plays so soft, whether it be from his blocking in line, which is just downright putrid. I mean, he, I don't even know if he tries to get his hands on the guys. Or, you know, down the field, if a linebacker gets his hands on him or a safety, he gets totally redirected and gets pushed off his spot. So as we see with Jeff Hireman, a guy who, you know, good size, not the athlete Gusecki is obviously, but good size, moves well. If everything works well and he's open, he can make plays. But he's just not tough over the middle. He doesn't adjust well when there's contact coming, and he just, he just isn't a physical player. And you need some physicality and ability to make contested catches over the middle at that tight end position. I just do not see that with Kosicki. I would not take him till the middle to the back end of the third round, and I fully expect him to go round two. And then I, I guess I'll just go with my last guy here. I kind of cheated here. I went with this entire wide receiver and tight end class. This wide receiver class, I think there is a, a good girth of day two talent. I mean, you got DJ Chark, DJ Moore, Christian Kirk, uh, Calvin Ridley, all guys that I have rated as day two players. And I didn't have, I think Corey Davis was my only wide receiver last year that had a true round one grade. And we had three wide receivers go in the top 10. What? So maybe I just, I don't know. The wide receiver position is not my favorite. It's a quarterback dependent, scheme dependent position. And I think you can find guys there kind of like you can find quarterback or find running backs. But I just think this class as a whole at wide receivers is underwhelming. And then the tight end class, same thing. I think if you're taking a tight end before day three this year, you probably reached because I do. some guys are worth day two picks, but because of the need for the position and just the lack of true top talent at the position, I think guys are going to go earlier than they should. So I would rather wait till day three. And if there's a guy who fits your scheme or needed profile at the position, that's when you look to take that tight end. But I think anything before that is probably going to be a little bit of a reach. And I'm, I like Dallas Goddard, just to throw it out there. But I think without him testing at the combine, without him playing at the senior bowl, there's the questions there that he has about his ability to transition from San Diego state to the NFL are going to remain for me. And I would take him round three, but I think he's going to go top 40, top 50. So that's just, there's too many questions and a little too rich for my blood with other positions. I like and other needs that I value more than taking a risk on a guy like that. So tight end class and wide receiver class get a, uh, I wouldn't say two thumbs down for me, but one and a half thumbs down. Nice list. Well, my first guy, I guess, connects to your last one there in Cortland Sutton. I, I don't get the hype one bit. I, I've seen him in the first round to a lot of teams. I've seen him early second round to a lot of teams. And there's just a lot of other wide receivers that I like more. And I've seen some comparisons to like a guy like Alshon Jeffrey. I just, I, I don't see that. I think he's Alshon Jeffrey light, I guess you could say. But I just see a guy that I think is going to be an okay receiver, but nothing that's going to be spectacular for the NFL. I I think he's going to get pushed up just because of lack of talent at the position in the draft. And there are some teams that I guess that skill set fits a little bit better towards. But 
if I'm building a team, he is not a guy that I'm taking before maybe the third round, late third round. Yeah. And and that's just again, he's not my type of receiver. And I just feel like he's getting overhyped, especially when there's talk of him going in the first round or being that first receiver off the board. There's just a lot of guys I'd take over him right now. And I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see where he ends up in the draft. But right now I feel like he's just getting talked about way too much for his, his skill set. And the second guy kind of falls in the same field, I guess, Colton Miller. This guy is getting first-round hype. And, and again, this comes down to the offensive tackle group is, is lacking talent. Throw in the NFL's lacking offensive tackle talent. And so teams are absolutely reaching for, for guys and especially athletic guys like Colton Miller, who tested well at the combine, who on tape, you can see he's an athletic guy, but he is so far from being a a starter quality kind of player. I I just, he has some of the worst, I'd say first step technique of any guy that I've seen. That's been hyped as a first round tackle. He not great. Yeah. He consistently, his first step is actually more of like a move his body straight up and then take a step. And by that point, you're already a step or two behind a defender. Now, in Andrew college, was in the leverage battle. Right, exactly. Yeah, then he's having to try to reach. He's trying to have to recover. It, it's just, it's terrible. And he got his quarterback hit a lot. Your guy, Josh Rosen. And he just lost a lot of battles that way. He got a little bit better as the year went on, but still, there's just some... Some technique things that are going to take time to clean up. You're going to have to completely change how he he uses his technique to win battles. And this is what I loved. Joe Thomas, I listened to an interview with him where he talked about that, that being an athlete or being the strongest guy really doesn't matter as much in the NFL. It is about winning with leverage. It's about winning with, with footwork. It's about winning with your punch. And timing your punch right, it's not as how strong your punch is, but it's how you time it. And he is just terrible with that. There's so many times I see him not even get his hands up on the guy because the other guy already has his hands up on Colton Miller, pushing him back right into Josh Rosen's lap. So, again, this is one of those guys that if you are taking him in the first round, I don't think you're seeing good production until maybe year two or three, if ever. And I just I can't use a first round pick on a guy that's going to take that long. And, of course, my final guy, this is just an obvious one for me, Josh Allen. I saw Pro Football Focus's draft. Uh, I think they they put that out today. Yes. Is that right? Okay. Well, they had Josh Allen being taken by the Broncos in the second round. And there's a lot of people that were kind of like, what? How does he make it to the second round? And, and I'm kind of going, well, if you watch him, <laughs> that's second, third round is probably actually more of where he fits with what he's shown on tape. Yes, he has incredible tools. Yes, he has those plays that just leave you going, oh my goodness, how did he do that? And plays that you'd say there are very few quarterbacks that could make that throw, that could do what he just did. But again, this is a guy that's going to be a a maybe two, three-year project. And the Broncos just went through this with their own Paxton Lynch. And that didn't work out too well, obviously. Now maybe Josh Allen's a harder worker and and things work out a little bit better, but I just, I I've seen, I mean, there was that report from uh, sports illustrated that Josh Allen is going to go number one overall. And that just baffles me that that's where we're looking at him for. I, I just, I can't see it. So I, I feel like he's a guy that's getting overhyped just because, I, again, teams sometimes focus more on the tools than they ever should be. Sometimes the tools trump the the tape. We saw that with the Raiders a lot, where they would take combine stars and hope that they could turn them into football players. And it didn't work out very well for them very often. So th- those would be my three guys. All righty, all righty. Well, we have our three guys who are underrated and I like to do a little snake order here since, you know, we're a little bit more fair here. Right. So go ahead. All right. Well, I'll start off since I went wide receiver for overrated. I'll go underrated guy. And that is Anthony Miller. And this is, this is tied into how his foot has healed up. If his foot is good, I think he's a guy that could turn into something. I think he could be a very high number two kind of wide receiver 
and and do some some good things. I, I love his skill set. I love what he brings to the table. And I think if you get him a little bit more refined, this guy could turn into that thousand yard receiver that you could maybe get in the third, fourth round, depending again on, on the medicals. Second guy is Rashawn Evans. And and this has a lot more to do with because of how strong the inside linebacker position is. He seems to be that guy that's getting lost in the shuffle. We talk a lot about Edmonds. We talk a lot about Smith. We'll talk about those guys in that second round area with uh, with uh, Fred Vander. Warner and Vanderush. Yeah, are, are the two main guys there. But so he kind of gets lost in that shuffle. It's kind of like the Darius Geis situation, where you have. Saquon Barkley that gets the the bulk of the attention for the running back position, but Darius Geis is a huge talent on his own, but he just doesn't get talked about as much as as he should. And if he was in another draft, just like Rashawn Evans, if he was in another draft that wasn't this off-ball linebacker heavy as this one is, this guy would be getting hyped up big time, I think. So just just that he's still going to go first round but I just feel like he's not getting talked about as much as he should. He and should then, go top 20. Yeah, I, I agree. He should. And I think he will. And, and so maybe he's not underrated, but it just, the amount of time that the other guys get talked about compared to him. Yeah. is just, it's uneven in my mind. And my final guy is Jair Alexander. I think he could emerge easily as the number one cornerback from this draft. He's a guy that if you, if you go back two years, it is easy to see this is a guy with exceptional talent, exceptional talent. And you, you watch this last year and it's, it's a little bit, I mean, it's obviously rougher, but you have to take into account he was injured. He just was struggling a little bit with that. And so you, you just can't read into this last year as much. And you're, you're taking a chance because obviously he did have the injury and stuff like that. But I think he's one of those guys that if you can get him that, that second, third round, you are going to be very, very happy with what you get on the field. Yeah, I, I agree with you. My guys that I think are underrated currently are, well, it starts with Will Richardson from NC State. He had a DUI in his past, and he also had a suspension, a team suspension from a, I believe it was marijuana there's, you know, they don't say specifically, but it, all indications is it was marijuana. And I don't know. I mean, watching Finley tape, watching Kelvin Harmon, watching Naeem Hines, Will Richardson, the right tackle for NC State, is a baller. He, I think if he didn't have the off-field concerns, some maturity concerns, he'd be talked about as a top 50 player. And right now, they he seems like he's going that late day two, early day three. So if he answers those off-field questions, I think he could end up being one of the better tackles in this class when it's all said and done. Another offensive lineman that I personally think I, Eric has converted me on him and I'm a big fan as well. And I was doing a mock draft as the Broncos the other day and the group mock draft mock draft. And I took this player with the second round pick and everyone's like, wow, what a reach. And I'm like, really? I thought I got a steal. And that is Austin Corbett from Nevada. He played tackle there, but it sounds like he's going to move on the interior very intelligent guy, quick-witted. I think he was a four-year academic All-American, and he's played across the line, and he can play in either scheme. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up one of the best interior offensive linemen in this class. I feel like he's one that's sliding through the cracks, and that's probably has to do with how great this interior offensive line class is. But Austin Corbett, I think he's going to be a heck of a player. And then finally, you know, I kind of insulted the tight end class earlier. Well, I'm going to give a little bit of praise to one guy. And I think he'd be getting more hype if he hadn't been injured. So kind of the little flashes of Jake Butt here. You can potentially get a steal here if you wait a little bit and, you know, you have some injury concerns there. But Chris Herndon, the fourth from Miami, he was kind of overshadowed by David Njoku last year, but he always played pretty well at that tight end two role. And I think he's a good athlete in space. And also he can run vertically as well. He's a solid blocker. And they just, he was always, it seemed like the, the dump off option, you know, and they'd get him the ball and he'd make stuff happen, but they never really, I guess, because you have Amon Richards there who looks like a freak wide receiver in next year's draft class. But I feel like they didn't really utilize him as much as they should. And because of his injury, he's fallen to, I've heard round four, round five. And quite frankly, he could end up being the best tight end in this class. So 
then I think he's going to be a good one. And if you're looking for a day three guy, that's, that's what I'm looking for. Chris Herndon, uh, another shout out Dalton Schultz as well. He's another one that I like. So, all righty. Well, you got any, any other uh, parting thoughts there before we wrap this on up? Nope. Good list there, man. I like it. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Huddle Up 2018 NFL Draft Podcast. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH and myself on Twitter at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you head on over to Mile High Huddle and affiliate of scout.com and the CBS Sports Digital to find ours and our co-writers' articles, not just related to the draft, but all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos. Make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and comment. Your support can help us continue to bring you our Denver Bronco deep dives. We aren't just here to bring you the news, but an in-depth analysis each and every week on team building, game planning, and 365 days of covering the Denver Broncos. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, at Huddle and at HuddleUpPod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us. I can't stress that enough. And reach out to us and through all mediums because we love interacting with fellow Bronco fans. Tell me I'm wrong about the quarterback. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm not tired of the argument, even though I'm right. No, I'm just, so uh, for Carl Dumbler, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you all next week. Go Broncos and go draft. Mile high huddle.